Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Well, amen. We are currently taking up the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. If you have not had opportunity to give, we'll continue to do that for the next couple of weeks. Um, Every penny that's given to Lottie Moon goes directly to sending missionaries to those who need to hear. So you have that opportunity. It's my honor this morning to to open God's Word. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2. If you want to take out your Bibles and find your place there. Um, This is is an amazing section of Scripture that has a lot of doctrine and a lot of theological truths in it that just ground us in who we are and where we were and where we one day will be because of the salvation that comes through Christ Jesus. And um, as, as I've studied this this week, we, we've, I've just found uh, six different truths in here about our salvation. For those of you in the room that have trusted in Christ, this is important for us to remember and to dwell on because it will change our actions and how we are called to live. For those in this room who know about Christ and know the stories of Jesus, but, but to be honest, that you're not sure whether or not your relationship with his, him is intact or whether or not eternity is secure for you, then these verses are going to be incredible this morning. Let's read Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in all the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, And this is not of your own doing, it is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. What a... An amazing passage with so many promises of of who we were. And the first thing we see that he saved us from our sin. We don't like to sit and dwell about our sin. We don't like to recognize where we were before Christ. But the first three verses of this passage of Scripture paint a very desperate picture. And you were dead in your trespasses. You were following the course of this world, the prince and power of the air. You were sons of disobedience. That's not very flattering for us. All of us lived in the flesh, carrying out our desires. We were, by nature, children of wrath, just like 
everyone else like the rest of mankind this says and and we see this this horrible picture painted for us that we were dead in our sins we were helpless in our sinful state we were literally opposed to god you know we we know that this all came from adam that adam began and because of that we were all born sinful for those of you in the room that have children, you get to see from a very early age that, that sin natures happen and they come out. We don't have to teach our children to tell a lie. They tell a lie because they're sinners already. We don't have to teach them to do things that, that, that are right or wrong. And as we begin to, to, to work this out as parents... Uh, one of the, the opportunities I had last week, my one of my sons made a very poor choice. And as we were talking about it, I almost wanted to just explain, if you would just do good and do good and do good, then it would be good. But theologically, because of this passage of Scripture, the reason you did wrong was because you were a sinner, son. And because that was wrong against God. And we have to set down foundation that we were all separated from God. Now many of us know the rest of the story. Most of us in this room have found Christ and have found the forgiveness that comes through him. And we know the rest of this. But we cannot forget that we were once walking after the course of this world. That we were just like the rest of the world. Romans 1 says that, Although men knew God, they saw creation, they knew there must be a God. They did not honor him as God. And so many in this world around us are like that. You know, when we think about how we describe ourselves, we often always want to use the most flattering words that we can. We often always think of the best things in order to to put out there for people. You know, we don't normally walk around saying, well, I was an object of wrath. I was a son of disobedience. I was a horrible, wretched sinner. Those aren't normally the things that are at the forefront of our conversations. We would much prefer to only dwell on the rest of the story. Well, I'm a Christian. I'm saved. I'm forgiven. I'm going to heaven and all is well. It's kind of like the only aspect that we want to put forward is that of our Facebook status. I get so aggravated when I, when I get on Facebook because according to Facebook, everybody had the most perfect life ever and they all had the best Christmas ever and they all had the sweetest little family pictures and everything is wonderful. And yes, there are wonderful things to celebrate, but there's also that other side of the story. There's still issues that are being resolved. There's still things that are happening in our lives and we so many times are unwilling to share those with each other. And I think that, that we as believers sometimes only want to dwell on the rest of the story. We're saved and forgiven and it's all going to be okay. Forgetting that we were sinners and we have been rescued from our sin. And that he has accomplished this amazing thing on our behalf. We don't want to remember that we were called sons of disobedience. That we too, like the rest of the world, were by nature objects of his wrath. We were separated from God with no hope. And the reason this truth affects us is because it has to affect how we live and how we respond to other people around us. One thing that it has to do if we recognize that everyone is born sinful and everybody is separated from God is it has to give us that heart for the lost. We too were like them. We too were sinners and we found Christ. Somebody told us the gospel. Somebody shared with us the truth that God so loved the world that he sent his son. The beauty of that has come into our life. But there are literally millions around us. Millions and millions, billions of people that have never heard the rest of that story. 
And we've got to dwell on the fact that they are dead in their trespasses. And without the gospel, they will perish and eternally be separated from God. If we're going to enjoy the Christian life and all that we have in Christ, then it, then it has to affect us in how we look at those who are lost. But it also affects how we look at those who are believers. Over Christmas we had traveling as most of you do and we went to grandma's house and grandma's house and all of this and as we were driving we I encountered this this driver that that was he he obviously had somewhere he needed to be immediately and he was rushing through traffic and literally almost ran somebody off the road and it was all about him and it was quite frustrating to watch what happened but he got stopped at a red light and 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 as I pulled up behind him ready to just tell him about his driving. I pulled up behind and I noticed his fish with his little cross on it. And in that moment, I was like, oh, goodness, let me get out. I think I'm going to just go ahead and push him off because there's no way if he's a believer that he should be acting like that. That is ridiculous to be driving. He's ruining his witness. And I wanted to pull him over and tell him, why don't he and I just pull that fish off the back of his car because it obviously doesn't mean anything to him. And then, you know, red lights give you enough time if you sit there long enough. The Lord just kind of tapped me on the shoulder and said, You know what? He has a sin nature and he's not perfect yet. And neither is Randy. And in that moment, I was, I was reminded that because we are all still struggling with this, we're all still in this together. We're works in progress. I'm a work in progress. Ask my wife. She will tell you that, that God's not done yet. But, but what this means for me and you is, and, and as the body of Christ is that we have to be the ones that when we see those things happening in other people's lives that we come alongside them and we put our arm and say, you know, there's this little something in your life that's not honoring the Lord. Let's, let's walk back here onto the path. Because he's not done with you yet. And he has a great plan for you. But so many times we, we forget that we were all there. We, we're so quick to say we're going to be in heaven one day. That we forget where he's rescued us from. And he's still chipping away that sin nature. And he's still working out our salvation. And we are partners with him in what he wants to accomplish with us. As he continues to save us from our sin now, yes, one day he will wipe our slate clean. And yes, we have complete forgiveness in him. But that doesn't mean that we're done with the sin in our life. And he has, he's finished with us at this point. So the first thing that we see is that he saved us from our sin. But the second thing that we see, which is amazing great news for us, is that he has saved us by his love. You know, after this horrible situation of sons of disobedience he's called us all these names that we were objects of God's wrath he turns around in verse 4 and he says but God but God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he has loved us and he begins to unfold the rest of the story. Yes, we were sinners. Yes, we were desperate. Yes, we were opposed to him. But God, being rich in his mercy. When I think about God's riches, how many riches do you think God has? 
God has the world. God owns it all. And, and in, in the richness of his mercy, he shows his love for us. For God so loved the world that he sent his son. And we begin to see the beauty of the gospel unfold in his rich mercy. Now what is mercy? What is God's mercy? God's mercy is not giving us what we rightfully deserve. I'm one that quickly wants to say I deserve this or he deserves this and this isn't fair. And, and, and my world could easily be very black and very white. But when it comes to the gospel, I don't want it to be black and white because the wages of sin is death. And I deserve death and separation from him. Because of the truth of my sin against a holy and righteous God, I don't want things to be fair. I'm very grateful because of his rich mercy that I didn't... What, I, what he's giving me that I don't deserve. He's, he's, he's withholding that judgment against me. And that has to kind of motivate me. That has to spur me on that he is showing me mercy. How many of you have ever been in an argument where you were right and the other person was wrong? Any of you married in here? That's generally kind of one of those areas that kind of plays this out. It does in our house. Um, there, there's been a couple of occasions where Hannah and I have found ourselves at odds with each other. One, I'll share with you this morning, she had called me and I was at the office here and I was working so diligently, Pastor, you just wouldn't believe what all I was getting accomplished. I mean, I was, and she just completely interrupted all of the kingdom work in, in order, to, in order to, to bring something up that was of no importance at all. And in that moment, I was right and she was wrong and I was busy and she disconnected our phone call. <laughs> she, she stopped this conversation before I could explain to her how she was wrong. So I called her back and she didn't take my phone call. <laughs> and in that moment there was separation. And moments of reflection and the reality that I was going to have to go home after work. And all of a sudden I was not being productive at my desk any longer. So I stood up and I went to the car and I drove all the way to town and I walked in and I sat down on the couch and I said, baby, let's talk. You see, it's just like us and God. Because God was right. God was holy. God was righteous. And we were the sinful one. We were the one that was wrong. We were the one that had made the mistake. But God, being rich in mercy, so loved us. Long before we were ready to come and say, please forgive me, he sent his son. Long before we found ourselves to recognize that we were the ones at fault, he made provision that we might be offered reconciliation. You see, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love for us made opportunity for us to enjoy the relationship that we now have as believers. And I think far too often, just like we 
neglect the fact that we were wretched sinners and that we were lost in our sin. We, we also neglect the fact that he made that gesture for us, that, that he made provision for us. And the reason that he did that was so that, that we might enjoy that relationship again, that we might be restored because his desire was that we, we might have relationship. God's mercy and God's love provided us everything that we needed for salvation. And in that moment, the details didn't matter. Forgiveness was granted. Just like when I walked into my house and I sat down on the couch, all of a sudden, whatever the phone call was about, and I honestly don't remember, that was irrelevant in the fact that in that moment, reconciliation was what was important. Just a little side note, we're having a marriage conference in February. Hannah and I are going. She said that that would be a great opportunity for us. And there are still spots available. So if we're not the only people in this room, um, you can see me and we will sign you up for that. That's in February. You know, Jesus, God so loved us that, that he sent Christ, but that was such a great cost. We as believers can rush through the gospel and forget the fact that God sent his son to live, to be betrayed, to be beaten, to be crucified for our sins. It was at great expense that he, in his mercy and his love for us, found opportunity for us to be reconciled to him. Yes, he saved us from our sin, but he saved us by his great love for us. And sometimes I think we need to be reminded how much he loves us. Because there are times in this world where we don't feel the love from other avenues. But we, when we recognize the love that we have from our God, it changes things. The third thing we see in this passage of Scripture is that not only did he save us from our sin and he saved us by his love, but he saved us into a new life. Look with me in verse 5. We were dead in our transgressions. While we were still in our sin, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. While we were still dead in our sins, he made us alive. And there's this picture that we get to walk in the newness of life. That we get this fresh start that, that like Romans 6 says that we will also live with him. There's this picture of a new creation and, and, the, and the scripture tells us that the old is gone and the new has come. I had the opportunity when I was a student minister, there was a, a, a family that started visiting our church and, and they, they had two students and, and one of them wanted to be part of the youth group and, 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 and a person in the church had made a donation so that I could scholarship this this kid to go with us on a on a weekend trip and we went away on that trip and and at, at some point during that weekend he came and he sat down to me and he said I need to talk to you because I'm around these other students and I know that they have something that I don't have and I'd like for you to share with me how I can have what they have and as a student pastor, I got the opportunity to share the gospel with this, I don't know how old he was, probably 15-year-old kid. And, and for the next five years, I got to watch his life go from one extreme 
to the other. He couldn't get enough Bible study. He couldn't come to church enough. And he, he had opportunity to, to be that kid who skipped everything. He was the quarterback of the football team. He was the cool kid on campus. And yet he had to start making all of these radical decisions for the old to be gone and the new to come. But he was embracing all that God had for him in that moment. Later, he went on to go to college. He's actually still in college, and he joined a fraternity, and it's so neat to sit and hear as he sends me messages. The reason he joined a fraternity was not to make friends. The reason he joined the fraternity was to share the gospel with people who he knew needed to hear it, just like he had received it. And he has led five of his fraternity brothers to Christ and has spent his summers on mission sharing the gospel in America and in India. And he has, has been the epitome of the old being gone and the new coming. You and I hopefully have this same testimony. Hopefully everybody in this room is able to say, yes, I was lost in my sin, but Christ, but God so loved me that he sent Christ. And because of my faith in Christ, this is what's different about my life. I hope that today you are able to give testimony about how your life is different today because of Christ. And I hope, well, just like Adam has challenged us, by next year we will all be able to give even more testimony about how he has continued to work things in our hearts. John 10.10 tells us that the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. And that is so true. The thief comes to steal our joy and to kill our testimony and destroy our hope in in the gospel. But the rest of that verse says, I have come that you may have life, new life, and you may have it to the full. You see... Jesus came that we could have a new life. He didn't come just so that we wouldn't go to hell. He came to truly give us a new life that we would enjoy him and walk in him and live differently because of him. But unfortunately, so many Christians are living defeated lives because they're not letting go of the old and they're not embracing the new. And my prayer would be because of the truths and the theology and the doctrine in this passage of Scripture that today we will walk out of here more ready to embrace the fullness that we can have only through Christ Jesus. We see that we've been saved from sin by his love into this new life, but we've also been saved with a purpose. Look with me in verse 6. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. That he might show the surpassing riches of his grace. Now we've seen that he, he's given us his surpassing mercy in not punishing us like we deserve. But now he gives us his surpassing riches of his grace. Giving us so much more than we deserve in kindness towards us through Christ. Salvation has this perfect purpose in our lives. And it's so much more than, than keeping us from going to hell. God saved us not just to remove us from hell, but because he wanted a relationship with us, because he wanted to use us, because he's given us opportunity to share about him. We were dead in our sin and the the penalty that Christ paid for our sins. We are alive to righteousness because of the power of Christ working in our life. And we exalt and give him glory by living for him day in and day out. We're either still of that world 
or we are His and belong to Him. If we are His, then we are children of God and we are co-heirs with Christ and we are citizens of heaven and we have a hope that should change how we live every day. We can't sit and understand the gospel and understand everything that's happened here and not be willing to share Him with those around us. Everyone in this room has neighbors, have people who live on their streets, who run into people at Walmart. How many people have gone to Walmart and seen a lost person? They're everywhere. Oh, and, and, and yet we, we get frustrated by them, don't we? Sometimes we, I can't believe people live like that. I can't believe people are making these kinds of decisions. And they're lost. They're, they're still where we were. And that has to, to motiva, motivate us. God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. He's given us the message of reconciliation. And that is the gospel. They can be made right with God. They can enjoy God like we have. You know, once I had a flat tire beside the road and of course it was raining and of course there was stuff in my trunk and by the time I dug through there to realize, oh yeah, I took the jack out to make room for all of this stuff and there I was, hopeless, beside the road, in the rain, in that moment. So I stood out in the rain until some kind soul stopped and helped me change my tire and then all humility drove off. But for weeks and months after that, when I saw somebody broken down, my first instinct was not to keep going. My first instinct was to stop. Why? Because I'd been there. And you and I, as believers, when we run into a lost person, when we run into somebody who's in sin, our first instinct, if we understand this passage of Scripture, has to be, that was me. If it weren't for God's grace, I would still be there. I need to share with them. We're going to have an amazing opportunity this summer to, to, as an entire church, go out and share the love and the gospel of Christ right here in LaGrange. And I can't wait to live that out with you all together. God shows his love for us before salvation by sending his son to die. God shows his love for us at salvation by giving us the grace that we do not deserve. God showed his love for us after salvation and helping us by his spirit fellowship with him and live for him. And God shows his love for us for all of eternity knowing that we will be in his presence and enjoy him forever. The fifth thing that we see in this passage of scripture is that God has saved us through faith. Looking at verses 8 and 9 are, are verses that most of you in this room are quite familiar with. If you're a believer in Christ, then this is the gospel and this is something that you claim and know in your heart. If you're sitting in this room today and you aren't sure if Jesus has truly changed your life, if you don't know for certain that you're forgiven and will spend all of eternity in heaven with him, then this is your answer in verses 8 and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. Not by works that no one can boast. You see, none of us found it in ourselves to fix our situation. None of us realized we were sinners. God was holy. Somehow we've got to fix this. And none of us were able to be good enough in order to earn our salvation. There's no way that we can be good enough. There's a story about an old man who showed up at an old tent revival. And, and, and he showed up so late they were taking the tent down. And he walked up to the, the worker who was taking the tent down and he said, what must I do to be saved? And the guy said, there's nothing you can do, it's too late. And in that moment, the old man was like, what do you mean it's too late? 
And he said, the only way you can be saved, the only thing that can be done for you to be saved has already been accomplished by Jesus. The only thing that needs to be done for you to be saved has been accomplished by Jesus on the cross. The only thing you have to do is believe. The only thing you have to do is have faith that the gospel is true. We put our faith in so many things. We drive through green lights assuming that the red lights are on the other side and it's going to be safe. The only thing that we can truly count on is the gospel. And we can put our faith in the gospel because the salvation that comes from God is guaranteed. But salvation that comes, comes with a changed life. God did not save us in order for us to remain the same. God did not make this decision and and send his son to die so that we might know everything's going to be okay and yet nothing changed in our lives. The reality is is he has a, a, a very big plan to use us and to change us and to mold us into his likeness and to use us for his glory. You see, yes, he saved us through faith and faith alone, but he saved us unto good works. The final thing that we see in this passage of Scripture in verse 10. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Which God prepared in advance for us to do. We were saved so that we might do good works. I love the fact that we are God's workmanship. You know what that means for me? Because I'm a work in progress. But the one that's working it out is the Lord God himself. And that is so encouraging for me. But he has saved me not just to sit still but to do good things. For he might see fruit in my life. I, I, I love John 15. I go back to John 15 all the time because it's a, a beautiful picture of how God works in our lives to bring fruit to us. John 15 reads like this. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that there may be more fruit. Jesus says, abide in me and I in you. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. My father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit. And so prove to be my disciples. He genuinely expects us because of the salvation that we've received. Because of the mercy. Because of the grace. That we would do good works. That we would be used of him. And that we would be active in in promoting the kingdom. And sharing the kingdom. and, 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 And being all that he wants us to do. 2 Timothy 3 says that we are equipped for every good work. And Titus 2 says that we should be zealous for good deeds. Just to be honest, there's a lot of days that I'm not zealous to be doing the things of the Lord. There are far too many days where I get to the end of my day and it was all about me and my pleasure and my happiness and it wasn't about God, what do you want of me this day? As we begin this new year, as we think about what we're going to be in 2014 and how we're going to live I pray that verse 10, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works would be something that resonates in our hearts and something that motivates and propels us to make decisions that are kingdom focused. It's what we were saved to do.
God expects us to be used by him. There's a story about a famous actor that was a guest of honor at, at, at a gathering and he was asked to recite for the people and, and to perform basically for them. An old preacher was there and said, would you recite the 23rd Psalm? And the actor said, I will, but on this condition that you would recite it as well. So the actor went first and, and he, with Perfect intonation and dramatic emphasis recited this and got lengthy applause. Then the preacher got up with his rough and broken voice from years of preaching. His diction wasn't polished. But when he finished, there wasn't a dry eye in the house. Someone asked what made the difference to the actor. And the actor responded, I know the psalm, but he knows The shepherd. Because of the salvation that you and I enjoy. Because of the love of God. And the mercy and the grace that's been given us. We have the opportunity to live as if it has affected us. And my prayer today is because of us walking through the riches of what has been accomplished. On our behalf for salvation. That as we leave this place. That we would walk differently. That we would respond differently. To those who are lost. To those who are saved. But that we would bring honor and glory. To the Lord Jesus Christ. No matter what. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father. Lord God. We we thank you that by your love. You sent your son to die on our behalf. Lord God, we bless you for the truth of the gospel. And God, we ask that that if there's anyone in this room that doesn't know for certain their relationship with Christ Jesus, that they might this day, by faith, accept forgiveness that comes only through your son. Lord God, we pray for those who are believers in this room that we might be Moved and affected by the truth that we know to be true. That while we were yet in our sin, that you made the gesture to send your son. So that we might be restored to you. But that you have a plan and a purpose for us to have an amazing, fulfilled life. And that we might walk in the fullness of who you have. And that we might accomplish good works. Not for our glory, but for yours. And God, we ask that you would move in our lives and that we would be changed. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's stand as we sing. Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the Contact Us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless you.